0: Jay will and Zubin the podcast
1: are you still happy or do you feel like it's still a fun ride doing uh, radio with your wife I'm just trying to figure out how to get through three more hours <laughs> With takes
2: like the one you had last break last segment on Jimmy G. I just this going to be a long show. It's going to be a long show. You're going to be okay though. I think you're going to be all right. I think you're going to be really disappointed when you see that Jimmy G is not the guy. And if you paid, The question was if mm. if you paid any kind of attention mm. to Kyle Shanahan and his body language as he would watch Jimmy G be slow to deliver the football in that complex offense that's so dynamic or not take care of the football. And if you remember back to 2019, how they essentially took the ball out of his hands so they he could was get hurt. to that Super Bowl he was hurt. in 2019, oh, I think when they went about to the Super Bowl, year. you got to okay, no. listen. You got to listen. In 2019, (laughs) when I essentially took the football out of his hands because he was a liability so they could get there and do it other ways. That's the guy you think, because he's healthy, can do all these other things. Yes, his numbers looked okay because that is one of the most talented groups offensively with one of the most impressive offensive minds, and yet still they were just pretty good numbers. They're looking for great. They know they can get to a Super Bowl with this guy, maybe best case, they can go win it with a true talent that can realize what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with that system. And if you go with a guy at number three like you do in Trey Lance, mm-hmm. it's because you believe he can do that. Okay, You just That's said to
1: yourself they could get to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Well, I, they have, I rest my case. They have gotten Thank to you. the Super Bowl with My case him, has been you rested. But see, you
2: see that that comes to a point. And when somebody doesn't allow you to thrive, but you're doing it in spite of – that's different. In spite of? In spite of.
1: You've gone off the rails. Okay, this in is Keyshawn of. J. Will and Subin on ESPN Radio, ESPN 2, Series XM Channel 80. And all you got to do is tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We are Shay and Jordan Cornette, hosting in for the guys. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. So we were playing a game of take your pick with quarterbacks, right? And so the one we didn't get to get to was my Chicago Bears, and oh. that's unfortunate because there is a bit of a quarterback competition going on in Chicago right now between Justin Fields, who they took in the draft draft and Andy Dalton who you're very familiar with being a Bengals fan and Dalton spending so many years in Cincinnati before we get into who we think's going to start week one for the Bears and so on and so forth let's hear from the head coach of the Chicago Bears that would be Matt Nagy as he do- is watching Justin Fields compete for that starting job
0: for Justin for Andy for Nick their their job is to go into this thing and do exactly what you just said is just dominate and he came out and he got every rep and he, he had a great day you could see he did his homework Trust me, just like everybody in here in our city, I want Justin Fields to be electric. We're worried about today. That's all we can. And you all saw that that Giannis, that little quote he said. I mean, that's going up in all four of my kids' bedrooms because we can't worry about the past. You can't worry about the future we're going to worry about right now.
1: Got to love Matt Nagy. Always good for a quote. By the way, Matt Nagy, head coach of the Chicago Bears, is going to join us today here on KJZ at 840 a.m. Eastern. That is 740 a.m. Central for all you Chicagoans. Um, how about Andy Dalton, who right now uh, Matt Nagy and company are saying is the starting quarterback. Here we go again. Is the starting quarterback for week one. He is QB1 right now in Chicago. Justin <laughs> Fields going to have something to say about that eventually. But nonetheless, let's hear from Andy Dalton, shall we? He was at a Bears uh press conference yesterday as they get to set to open training camp and he says he's not worried about justin fields
2: he's a first round pick the uh, you know i understand that but i also understand that i'm the starter and i understand that I knew I signed a one-year deal. I knew that I was going to come and I was going to be the starter didn't, regardless of the situation coming in, and so that's my focus. I'm not worried about uh, all the stuff that's going to be going on with Justin because that doesn't affect me. At the end of the day, it's what I'm going to be doing, and Justin and I have a, have a really good relationship, and I'm trying to help him out as much as I can. I'm sure I'll be making big plays too, and hopefully they'll be cheering at the same time. you know. So for me being the starter, hopefully they, they would see that uh, if I'm making big plays, that's good for everybody.
1: Jordan, you hear Andy Dalton making big plays. He thinks he's going to happen early on in the season. Matt Nagy says he is the starter to open the season. He is the vet that they brought in to help kind of lead Justin Fields along the way. I see you smirking and smiling and just ready to (laughs) chop at the bit.
2: No, I I don't. I'm curious, given our conversation with the 49ers. Let it go. Jordan, let it go. Come on. And so how you're talking about Jimmy G and being high on him, in this circumstance, you've got another electric quarterback coming out of the draft. You've got a veteran in Andy Dalton. What's your take here? What do you do here Oh, you're going to defer one? to me? Yeah, if you let me get there, that's what I'll trying to do.
1: Week one, who do you go with to Chicago? Okay, well, the Bears have the Rams week one, which is a very uh, tough first game, but they do have a long time to prepare for it. However, I, I, when Matt Nagy says something, I do trust what he says, and he says that he's going to start Andy Dalton, and so that is what I've been saying is going to happen all along. Um, when they make the switch to Justin Fields, will be sometime this upcoming season. It won't be within the first five games, in my opinion. Those are winnable games for Andy Dalton. Rams, again, I'll say it, is a tough one out of the gates. But if you can get past the Rams, the Bengals, the Browns, the Lions, and the Raiders, you've got three games against defenses that ranked in the bottom seven in yards per play last season. You can handle that if you're Andy Dalton and you have a better offense. Hold on. You deferred to me. Let me keep going. You've got four games against defenses that were below average in terms of preventing passing yards and third down conversion rates. And so these are things that Andy Dalton can definitely handle. And let me point out this thing about the Bears. They typically open the season very strongly. In fact, the Bears ranked sixth in win percentage in games one through five since 2018, and that would be when Matt Nagy took over. So they do usually play really well to start the season, and then things sometimes don't go the way as planned. And so that would be when you ideally make the switch to Justin Fields, Jordan. It's
2: really intriguing to me, and you got the you got the the popo back here behind the glass that are managing every time I speak, so you can have every word. The show that's has right. already been produced, leaning in your favor with cuts of sound oh, look going at to break. How sad Never you seen a are. show produced like that, but look hey, that's what that. we're doing here. Aww. So now I'm going to actually Aww. interject until producer gets in my ear, Evan, and tells me I got to give you the floor back. <laughs> so while we're going here, let's go ahead and talk about those first five weeks of the season, and you say winnable games. Two of those games are on the road at Super Bowl contenders. The first game is the L.A. Rams. In week four, I believe it's at Cleveland. These are two teams with elite defenses that people think can go win a Super Bowl. And you call the first five games winnable. That's a little head-scratching to me, but I'll ride with it. I understand the patience of wanting to go with Andy Dalton. Everything you said there, in a lot of ways, I agree. Thank you. But the biggest question to me, having watched those Chicago Bears all year last year and all all year the year before, what's the biggest issue with that offense? Quarterback play, sure, but an inability to activate a run game, and you can blame that on the offensive line as well. They shored up the offensive line, you would hope, but there's still questions with the run game. When that offense is shining, it's when the run game is excelling. Andy Dalton, mobile enough. Justin Fields, elite with his mobility. Agree. That is a, something when you lack the creativity and can't seem to get that run game going – When you have a quarterback who can run it, it helps everything else go. You also have a tight end that is good at alleviating the pressure in a guy like Cole Komet, which allows a young quarterback to have that safety valve. You also have Allen Robinson, who's one of the top 8 to 10 receivers in this league. You want to keep your guys happy. And what we saw from Andy Dalton in Dallas last year, if that's the quarterback that now you're going to put on the plate of Allen Robinson again and say, hey, Allen, turn water into wine with a guy that's not really there you're coming out of the gates in those first five weeks that you're calling very winnable against two teams that can win a Super Bowl, you might lose your team before this season even starts. So those are the reasons why you go with Justin Fields, because he puts you in position to win games immediately. He's a more talented guy, and if he's a gamer that everybody talks about, and if he's a cool customer that everybody talks about, he can be ready to give you the best chance to win week one. And when we ever talk about battles at any position, we always say, we're going to play the guy who gives you the best chance. Justin Fields is that guy for the Chicago Bears.
1: Okay, Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, but you, you always yell at me for not listening. You weren't listening to me. I didn't say the Rams are a winnable game. I said, if you can get past the Rams, you've got a really good shot at those first few games out of the gate. You also have a really long time to prepare for the Rams, and the Bears typically have done really well in their first several games of the season. If you can scheme up something against the Rams with Andy Dalton at the helm, then perhaps you can... Should pick that as a victory but I agree with you that is a really hard out at the Rams week one to open the season but everybody loses if Justin Fields goes out there and isn't ready everybody the Bears are gonna lose Justin Fields is gonna lose Matt Nagy's gonna lose Ryan Pace is gonna lose that offense is gonna be frustrated yet again out of the gate why not hey look if Andy Dalton goes out and they have a good competitive game against the Rams, but it's not a W, but Justin Fields is learning and coming along, and later on in the season you rattle off some Ws against teams you weren't supposed to win against anyways, who cares?
2: And, 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 hey, I'll go to the the old school theory here, and I know most people that watch the game and study the game and understand quarterback play would say, because those first five weeks are challenging, because you're seeing those really tough defenses don't throw your guy to the Wolves right away. Let Andy Dalton take that on first. And I can see that, but to me, it's about having covered both of us, you more closely than me in Chicago, these Bears, understanding you don't want to lose this team that early in the season. I think to have momentum, to feel like there's some optimism, I think Justin Fields week one is the way to go, despite that old school theory and thought process. Okay,
1: well, we'll agree to disagree because I, no matter what we think, I do think that Matt Nagy believes that he sure. puts himself as the Head coach sure. in the best situation if Andy Dalton is the starter. It's Keyshawn J. Will and Zuman coming to you live from Bristol, Connecticut, but also usually from the Seaport District. It's Pier Seventeen. Brought to you by Chase. So there are two Power Five conferences that may be writing an IOU to their current conference. If you know what I'm talking about, that's after Jordan has this from Indeed.
2: Finding the perfect hire can feel like searching for a needle in a bottomless haystack of resumes. Indeed makes hiring fast and simple with 135 skill tests to help candidates prove that they have the experience your job requires. Their powerful hiring platform even helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right on their site, which is probably why Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talon S.
0: To learn more about finding your next great hire, visit Indeed.com slash credit. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet?
1: Hope you're waking up with us here on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and and We are happy that you tuned in to listen to my husband and I argue really, truly, for the next few hours. Shay Cornette and Jordan Cornett here with you. I'm just kidding. We're going to take a break from that for a little bit now. Um, because there was some big news going on between the Big 12 and the SEC over the last few days, in case you're living under a college sports rock, let me fill you in. Texas and Oklahoma have notified the SEC that they would like to be invited to join, and they will officially leave the Big 12 beginning July 1st, 2025, when the Big 12 media rights deal expires. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said the conference would consider the request in the near future. And a source told ESPN that presidents and chancellors will meet Thursday to discuss expansion. And so let's bring in someone that... Uh, knows the SEC very, very well. That would be Greg McElroy. He's our ESPN football analyst here, and he joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. Good morning to you, Greg. Thanks for getting up with us. And so over the last week now, you've had some time to digest the fact that Texas and Oklahoma perennial powerhouses in the Big 12 are all but heading over to the SEC, except for the formality that's left in the SEC having to welcome them in. And so what is your reaction to that?
3: Well, as a young man growing up in Dallas-Fort Worth who credits his love for college football because of what transpired in the Cotton Bowl every year between Texas and Oklahoma, I must say, personally, I'm thrilled. Uh, I think those that are trying to protect the traditions of college sports are a little hesitant, but if you are genuinely about progress and making the game bigger and better in the years to come, it has to be something you support. You have two of the most iconic brands in the history of the sport that are shifting to the most iconic conference that has five of the most iconic brands in the sport, which essentially gives you half of the top 15 biggest brands in the sport are all under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. So I think that Texas and Oklahoma, it signifies a change, guys, naturally for those two programs, for the Big 12 and for the SEC. But I happen to think they're not done. If they can figure out the finances and the television deal they have that's coming into fruition with ESPN and ABC – then there could be room for more entities to join the SEC. So uh buckle up. It's <laughs> gonna be pretty exciting here in the months and weeks and years to come.
2: Well well, Greg, now you got me wanting to play that game. So let's let's dive in a little further. If you were uh in this ideal world of they continue to expand in the right now or even in the next uh in the recent future here, uh where do you think the SEC looks to next as they try to take it all, quite frankly? <laughs>
3: Well, there are a lot of challenges. The grant of rights, the reason why Oklahoma and Texas are able to leave right now is their grant of rights ends in 2025. Uh, The ACC would be the most obvious conference that you would look to because there are a lot of natural rivalries already built in. There are already four teams in the SEC that are playing ACC teams on rivalry weekend. You have Kentucky-Louisville, Georgia-Georgia Tech, Clemson-South Carolina, and Florida-Florida State. So you already have four naturally built-in rivals, plus they kind of share some of the same footprint. So you'd look there. But the ACC grant of rights ends in 2035. That's the longest in all of college sports. So if you're going to add a Clemson or a Florida State, both to make a ton of sense because of the footprints they occupy and the perennial success they've had with the exception of Florida State's last few years. They would be the most obvious. You could also look to a Miami who also is under the ACC. But at the same time, right now, Miami with a 2035. And they would be a little bit of an obscure fit. Uh, I don't know if they would be at the top of the list, but they would make some sense, and then I'd look towards Notre Dame. As, as crazy as that sounds, uh, Notre Dame kind of does its own thing. And granted, yes, they do have a contract with the NBC, with NBC to broadcast their home games eight, seven, or eight times a year, but that is one that uh, you know, I could potentially make more money by coming to the SEC. It Just geographically, it doesn't make it a lot of sense. But let's get out of our geographical norms, because I think that's what a lot of people look to, and yet, The geographical norms, I think, are going to take a back seat towards improving the brand equity in each every each and every conference here in the years to come.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like when these conferences were first established, travel wasn't as easy and readily available to these programs that it is now. So the geographic location could very well be going out the window. We're talking to Greg McElroy right now, ESPN college football analyst. He's also a former Alabama quarterback, and that's where I want to go next with this, um, Greg. He's joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. So you host a morning show in Alabama. Obviously, you played at Alabama. You know that fan base very well. And when we talk about the creme of the crop in uh, the SEC, it starts with Alabama. What is the reaction from that fan base as as they get set to welcome in Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC at some point?
3: I think there's—Alabama doesn't really have a—they don't really have a sense of reality from time to time, it, meaning they literally think that the Dallas Cowboys could come in and Bama's going to cruise. <laughs> you, know, and that, you know, that's something— There's something special about that, and there's something really awesome about that because they love their team and they refuse to acknowledge anything else. I think that, for the most part, they're looking at it like, bring it on, man. Let's go. I mean, this makes us better? Perfect. We get to play Oklahoma and beat Oklahoma and beat Texas every year? That's the way they're looking at it, and I think that they're looking at it more from the opportunity uh, as this being a net positive. However, if you really survey the bigger picture in the SEC, there are a lot of people that are scared, and there's a lot of people that are concerned because they saw what the Big 12 allowed Texas to do, basically creating their own Longhorn network, being able to kind of set the rules and move the goalposts in a way that would most benefit them. Now, they had the power to do so in the Big 12 because that's what the Big 12 allowed. The Big 12, if you take out, and this is quoting an athletic director in the Big 12, if you take out Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12 or the Mountain West, a Big 12 athletic director said that publicly a few years ago. So this is not any secret. The Big 12 allowed Texas to kind of stomp all over the other member institutions. And I think that's kind of the fear of what might happen in the SEC. But I think the voices are far too loud. I think things are spread far more equally in the SEC. uh, And there's better representation because of the success in so many different sports. So I'm not too concerned about it. I think most people view this as a real positive. But I do think some people are scared of Texas's past antics and them coming to fruition again.
2: Interesting. Greg, that's really interesting, and it's the first I've heard of of that angle. Uh, Very fascinating. Uh, One thing I don't think some of the SEC powerhouses, as it pertains to football, are feeling is a fear – that Texas can come in and wreck them on the field. Uh, You look at uh, 2010 when you won that national championship as quarterback for Alabama, you knocked off then number two, Texas, to win that national championship. Texas hasn't had that many moments like that in the 11 years since. What does this do for their football brand when they do join this power conference of the SEC?
3: It's going to be huge. And I remember having long conversations with Tom Herman about this. He was previously Texas head coach for the last few years prior to them letting him go and bringing in Steve Sarkeesian. And what drove Tom Herman more crazy than anything was Texas A&M's recruiting paraphernalia. When Texas A&M would send out a recruiting flyer, the logo of the Southeastern Conference was actually bigger than that of the logo on there from the Texas A&M Aggies. Recruits Mm -hmm. respond to the pathway and the pipeline that is the SEC and the direct line to the NFL. And as a result, Texas has fallen way behind what was at one point an inferior program in Texas A&M. Texas A&M is no longer inferior. Texas A&M is far superior right now to Texas because of them getting into the SEC, them committing to Jimbo Fisher for $75 million over 10 years, and now they finish number four in the country, their highest finish since they won the championship, gosh, 80 years ago, whenever it was. So it's pretty remarkable how much the SEC brand – has benefited Texas A&M on the recruiting trail and how quickly Texas A&M, a perennial afterthought for so many years, has surpassed Texas as quickly as they have. So it's been pretty remarkable to see the impact of the SEC and just having that logo on A&M's jersey. Uh, For me, as a kid from Dallas-Fort Worth, like I said, A&M was not a program that I really thought a whole lot about. To be honest with you, I wanted to be a Texas Longhorn. That was my my dream. And then A&M moves to the SEC – when I go back home to Southlake, Texas, I see more Aggie jerseys than ever before. Right. I think there's definitely some type of correlation there. Uh, people might say that's conspiracy theory, but the recruits – would say otherwise. The SEC matters on the recruiting trail.
1: Yeah, a really good point there, Greg. Really quick, before I let you go, Paul Feinbaum told us yesterday that he thinks this could happen as early as next year. Um, I know right now 2025 is the year that has been thrown out, but you, you know how these things go. Sometimes they go quicker. Uh, when would you guess that Texas and Oklahoma would join the SEC? And again, I know this is just a guess.
3: My expectation is 2022, so a year from now. Okay. Uh, I don't think a lame duck situation benefits the Big 12. Nor do I think it benefits the SEC, knowing that all right, well, this kind of we're kind of in a holding pattern until Texas and Oklahoma join. So I think it's actually mutually beneficial. It would give clarity to the Big Twelve, and I think it would give the SEC the boost they need to move into that new television contract with you know two of the biggest blue bloods in the sport. So I'd say 2022, uh, and I think they'll find some type of compensation package that will make everyone happy, and uh, hopefully. You know, allow this thing to accelerate faster than some might expect. Wow.
1: Interesting stuff. Greg McElroy, ESPN college football analyst. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Some really good stuff. I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. See you later. Uh Keyshawn J will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your home, auto, motorcycle, RV, or boat visit progressive dot com. Good stuff from Greg. Stuff that I hadn't really thought about, yeah, to be honest. I agree
2: with you. Fascinating the him representing that that uh perspective shared sentiment from some in the SEC that Texas may come in with all that money, all that power that they yielded in the big 12 and try to swing that same power around in the SEC, which
1: makes that, which makes sense. Which
2: makes sense. I mean, that athletic department is, is uh, financially in an elite place yeah. compared to a lot across right. the country. And because of what they were to the big 12, uh, having being the money maker, having their own network, kind of moving the goalposts and setting the rules in that, in that conference. Uh, these conferences and these teams in them already are very territorial. Right. Like we've heard about the Aggies, uh, Texas A&M as a university being worried if this lessens their brand because they wanted to be the only Texas representative in the SEC. And now uh, with Texas joining, that kind of gets uh, dissolved a little bit in terms of them being that lone representation. And now we're hearing this, which is a fair gripe. The SEC is a brand that has been very strong in all sports, but most especially in football, which is of most importance in terms of money, for a very long time. So the feeling of, hey, we good over here. Don't come in here and try to ruffle any feathers, shake things up. We got a good thing going. You're along for the ride. You're not the conductor on this train. Yeah, know your place. And so to hear that, I think, is, is very fascinating. Yeah,
1: I, I agree with you. Um, all right, we're going to go to the Olympics next. Why Simone Biles' withdrawing was best for her and her team. That's after Center. Speaking of the Olympics, Team USA men's basketball cruised to a 120-66 to win over Iran on Wednesday for their first win of the Olympics so far. Damian Lillard hit seven threes as he scored a game-high 21 points. The U.S. will look to earn a berth into the knockout stage when they play the Czech Republic. On Saturday, one day after withdrawing from the team final, Simone Biles has withdrawn from the individual all-around competition to focus on her mental well-being. Biles is still scheduled to participate in vault and uneven bars on Sunday, floor exercise on Monday, and the balance beam on Tuesday. Despite the 22 active civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, there are no restrictions from the NFL on the quarterback's participation in club activities. The league said in a statement on Tuesday, the Houston Texans are scheduled to hold their first training camp practice today. SportsCenter is brought to you by Indeed. Is hiring becoming your second job? Quit the hassle and get on Indeed. You'll find great candidates fast with instant match. Just sponsor a post and instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit.
2: Simone Biles you could argue has had to show dedication to her sport in a way that
0: few other athletes will ever comprehend. That
1: five and a half hour wait or something, I was just like shaking, could barely nap. I've just never felt like this going into a competition before. All right. So welcome back. Keyshawn, Jay, Will and Zubin here presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We just had a good one with Greg McElroy talking about conference realignment, opening our eyes to things that we hadn't quite thought about in terms of Texas joining the SEC, along with obviously Oklahoma. Um, but now we shift our focus here to the Olympics because over the last two days, there has been uh, some news about Simone Biles and, and the way that she is feeling while she is over there in Tokyo. I think it's pretty obvious to say she is a favorite amongst gymnasts, especially to win the gold. And with what she does, she's a favorite in the U.S. She's a favorite across the entire nation. And she is something really special. Well, yesterday when we learned that she was removing herself from the group, I think it took us all by surprise and showed a little bit of disappointment when she withdrew from the team competition. Well, then we found out overnight that she has withdrawn from the all around program at the Olympics um, and she cited her mental health as the reason why. Let's hear one more time from Simone Biles on why she decided to withdraw from the team competition. Today has been really stressful, we had a workout this morning, Um, it went okay, and then just that five and a half hour wait or something, I was just like shaking, could barely nap, I've just never felt like this going into a competition before, and I tried to go out here and have fun, and warm up in the back went a little bit better, but then once I came out here, I was like... No, mental is not there. So I just need to let the girls do it and focus on myself. Okay, Um, I just want to make a quick note there that that was before her decision to withdraw from the all around. And, Jay, before we get a reaction to all of this news, let's hear from Shannon Miller. She's a seven time Olympic medalist, a gymnastics medalist, I should say. She was on Spain and Fitz yesterday and and she gave some perspective in terms of what Simone Biles is going through. Take a listen.
3: I don't know that there's any gymnast out there, whatever level you are, that hasn't been through what we call a mental block or losing themselves in in the middle of a twist or a skill. What's very good about this situation is Simone understood and knew that this is dangerous and that if she's not in the right headspace to perform these extremely –
1: some of the most difficult moves in the entire world – and flying dangerous 10,
3: 15 feet <laughs> above the ground, you better know where you are or a disaster is going to happen. And to have the wherewithal to say, you know what, this is not going to happen tonight. This is not a good place for me to be. I think that's a really important thing to have that uh, that body awareness.
1: Yeah, really important to have body awareness. As she just pointed out, Simone Biles flying 15, 16 feet in the air when she was performing Some of the things she does when she is on the Olympic floor. Um, Jordan, this has obviously raised a lot of controversy amongst people and the way that they're viewing what Simone Biles decided to do. What I think people are probably forgetting is that she is doing gymnastics. If you do not feel 100% and you're going to put yourself at risk, whether that is an injury to your body or an injury to your mind or not feeling 100% there mentally, you are not only putting yourself at risk for a minor injury, but a major one. If you're flipping 15 feet above ground and you land wrong because you're not all the way there, which actually happened when she was doing vault, which she decided to make this decision... That is a, a, a injury that can affect your life, the Olympics as a whole, your team as a whole, everything going forward. And so I just give her such credit for, for having the wherewithal to understand that her body, her mind, it's not right right now, and she needs to take a step back. This is a woman who has prepared for this moment for not only the last four, five years, but for her entire life. You don't think she wants to be a part of this for her team and for her country? Of course she does.
2: And, and Shay, we're seeing a lot of bad takes on this because – there's a, a confluence of ignorance in a lot of different avenues that are meeting at an intersection. There's an ignorance on the understanding of the sport of gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a large ignorance, a robust level of ignorance on mental health and an understanding of that. And also there's a lack, there's a, there's a supreme ignorance on the pressures that come into competing every four years in a a very minuscule amount of time to deliver what becomes a four-year legacy and something that reaches very far past that. So when all that comes together, you have some stuff you see on your timeline. You're in conversations by the water cooler. uh, You're in text conversations that you're like, what are they talking about with this? And it's because of all those things. And we're starting to hear from our athletes more so than we ever have. So we're hearing about mental health. We're hearing about civil civil issue, uh, civil rights issues and injustices and people's stances on them. They're delving into politics, things that maybe certain people aren't comfortable hearing because they're not used to hearing them from their athletes. But progression in life is something that takes some adjustment to, and I think people are learning to understand that athletes are really no different than us. They can do some really incredible things physically, But at the end of the day, they are people just like any of us. And now, with the level of access, we are learning that. And this is a perfect illustration of it. Another takeaway I have from this is, this is Simone Biles essentially saying, y'all don't know what it's like to have this kind of pressure on you. It, at times, even the greatest of athletes... It can break us and mental health is something I want to preserve given her path in life and the things that she's faced, which are very heavy and very tragic. And she's very strong and has proved that in the fact that she's still standing. I go to Serena Williams. I go to tiger woods. I go to LeBron James. And I think about expectation of a, a, of a Herculean expectations And pressure is put on these three athletes that I just mentioned at the earliest of age. And that pressure was never alleviated. And at times they continued to deliver under much scrutiny, whether it be on the field of play or off of it. And you just got to understand now when Simone lets you in on what this can be like to look at these three and say, how you are legitimately the most rare of human beings, to answer the call at every single turn. And I'm sure there's bouts with mental health with them. And so for them to be able to do this with such a long runway, it's remarkable. And I think now maybe people start to understand a little bit more about the psyche of an athlete and the mental health and how it plays for somebody like Simone because it's very real and it needs to be respected.
1: She's only 24 years old old. and when you hear her speak about how she wasn't feeling well I mean she said it as if it was easy for her to say because I'm sure she's feeling it so really right like she the mental wasn't there I said to my my teammates like you guys go out and you guys go win a medal and I I will be there cheering you on and obviously she was there she was rooting on her teammates and she is very much still a part of this Team USA, but her mental is just not there, and that is okay. She posted on social media on Monday that she felt the weight of the world on her shoulders, and that weight obviously became too heavy during that vo- that vaulting um, during team finals, as I mentioned. She lost herself in midair and completed only one and a half twists instead of two and a half. She then consulted with her U.S. team doctor um, before walking off the field of play. And then we obviously learned that she removed herself from the group and then she removed herself from the individual. And and then we will see what happens going forward. But I will repeat this again. If you are losing yourself midair and you don't know where you are or what you are doing – don't you think it's time to take a step step back and say, hey, I could risk a very serious injury here because I am not mentally in the right place. I think everyone needs to make sure they are fully understanding this is not someone who is just doesn't have it on the basketball court and their jumper is off, okay? This is someone who's flipping in the air uh, 16, 17 feet above them, and if they don't have the mental capacity to finish it, they could land horribly and have a very catastrophic injury. Like, that is something everyone needs to make sure they're keeping in mind.
2: A hundred percent, and let's not also lose sight of the fact that strategy was involved here. Simone looked at it and said, I've never really been in this spot where I feel like I might be a detriment to our scoring and ultimately to our team's ability to win. And I'm realizing that. And to make the snap judgment and say, I'm going to get a lot of scrutiny. I'm supposed to be the GOAT. It's going to appear like I'm quitting. (laughs) But what I'm actually doing here is strategizing and saying, I don't want to rob these other hardworking women that I'm a part of a team with from winning and meddling. Because if I'm going to perform like this, I'm going to score low, and we're going to lose out on an opportunity for a medal. It's very different from her competing individually. I wonder if she might have still competed if it was individually because she wouldn't have felt like – hey, I'm messing up here now, my teammates don't win the medal. If I right. mess up here, I just lose out on a medal. That speaks to selflessness, and please, whatever you do, don't ever reference Simone Biles as cowardice, as a quitter. Read up on her story, and if you don't know about the monster that is Larry Nassar and how he impacted her life and right. how she was able to persevere through it and be resilient, this woman is the furthest thing from a quitter or a coward. She is a hero and she is very strong.
1: Very well said. Biles is still scheduled to participate in vault and uneven bars on Sunday floor on Monday and balance beam on Tuesday. We will see how she feels going forward. Okay. While uh green Bay, I guess they're creating their own wolf pack. It sounds like in green Bay. Now that training camp is underway. We'll tell you if that's going to keep their quarterback happy after Jordan has this from straight talk wireless.
2: 5G is here, but the big carriers want you to sign a pricey long-term contract to get in on the action. Well, not anymore because Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide with plans starting at just $35 a month with no contract and get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299, all on America's best networks. 5G coverage, 5G phones, less money. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. 5G capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary.
0: Coming up this morning with Keyshawn Jaywill and Zubin. Chicago Bears Head Coach Matt Nagy as our countdown to the NFL season continues. Bears head coach Matt Nagy this morning at 845 Eastern with Keyshawn Jaywill and Zubin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details
2: pretty decent result for green
0: bay especially considering all of the drama this offseason hackers are now offering concessions to the reigning nfl
1: mvp reports espn's adam schefter
0: so if aaron Rodgers still wants a trade after this year he can get it
1: He's Sean J. Will and Zubin here on ESPN Radio, on ESPN2, on your ESPN app, and you can just simply tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Shay and Jordan Cornette rocking with you this morning here, filling in for the guys. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. One of those guests later on this morning will be head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy. He'll join us at 840 a.m. Eastern. So uh, You think he
2: mentions who the starting quarterback is week one and settles our dispute that got yeah, a little bit heated? Yeah, will say Andy here.
1: Dalton. We can gladly ask him, and he will say Andy Dalton.
2: You're like steady checking me today. What's going on? I feel so good. You know what it is? I know know what it is. I just learned what it is. We drove separately to to Bristol today, y'all, because I got some TV duties after this here, and she's going back to take care of our beautiful baby boy, Joey. (laughs) And because we took two separate cars driving in, you didn't get your normal hour opportunity to steady check me in the car. (laughs) So because you didn't get to flush all the checking out in the car ride up, You're taking it public and going extra tough in the paint. And I actually respect that. But I had to put two and two together and be like, why is she going so hard today? You're making great points. You're putting me in my place. I can acknowledge that. But why today? It's our last day of the week filling in for KJZ, and now I know that's why.
1: Feels good. Feels good. I also put a little extra something, something in my coffee this morning, so I'm really feeling good. Hey, <laughs> really you know feeling what? ready to go. You know what?
2: You were you are extra nice to me last night. Oh, you know gosh. what I'm saying, so it's all good now.
1: I'm fine with okay, that. Okay. In case you don't know, this is my husband that's speaking. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get the wrong <laughs> idea. Go. We do have the same last name. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the Packers yeah, now, let's shall sports. we? So let's, talk uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's switch <laughs> gears. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did show up to Lambeau Field yesterday. Uh, he is going to be the Qu- Packers quarterback this upcoming season, even though we spent the entire offseason and all of April essentially talking about this. He will be there. Well, now let's add some wrinkles to it because Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming back without some restructuring, restructuring of his contract, deciding that they're going to. Focus on some things after the season has come to a close. And then also, what are they going to do to make this Packers team better, to make Aaron Rodgers more happy? Well, Rob Domanski, our ESPN Packers reporter, says perhaps they're going to be adding an old friend of Rodgers to the roster. Take a listen.
0: It was reported a couple of days ago that Rodgers wanted Randall Cobb back. Cobb, of course, is with the Texans, but had so much success here as Rodgers' slot receiver. The fact that they're going to get this deal done, a source told me the Cobb does expect to be back in Green Bay, tells you one of two things. Either the Packers were willing to meet Rodgers' demands, if that was indeed a demand, or at the very least, they're open to suggestions that he may have as far as the roster and things that he thinks will make this team better and make it easier for him. So we know this, however it went down, he has gained some measure of control, L, over this situation.
1: All right. Randall Cobb will turn 31 on August 22nd. Oh, his birthday's two days after mine. He played his first eight seasons in Green Bay, where he was one of obviously Aaron Rodgers' go-to targets. Rodgers did report to camp yesterday. We don't have any timetable on when or if this Randall Cobb deal will get done. He was with the Houston Texans last year. Um... Also, I want to point this out. Packers GM Brian Gutekunst is going to speak with the media at 8.30 a.m. Central. That's 9.30 Eastern today. So we'll have a little more clarity on the Rodgers situation after um, we hear from the Packers GM. Back to Randall Cobb, Jay. Is this going to make Aaron Rodgers happy?
2: I get uncomfortable with that question. And I am going to tell you why I get uncomfortable with that question, Shay, because if that's the song and dance they're going to be playing all year when this team has a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl, then what are we really doing? and then you're really talking about a legitimate distraction if this whole thing becomes about how can we appease Aaron Rodgers all year. 52 other guys on the roster that are playing high-level football, which has them in this position. The greatest of all 53, Aaron Rodgers, sure, but it's a team sport, and that's when the dissension and the fracture in the foundation really becomes omnipresent is a guy who's sitting there, and, and, and you keep asking, is he happy? Are we making them?
1: It's like walking on eggshells.
2: I need to now know what the locker room vibe is there now because it's never been more important. And I tip the cap to you. You said this all the way through, and I was like, professionals, it's a business. They go through these contract stuff and disputes of management all the time. People get it. And I think that, for the most part, is true. But when you're coming at me right here at the start of training camp and asking a very legitimate question like, Is Randall Cobb enough to keep Aaron Rodgers happy? And you're not even talking about a piece that is playing his best football. Randall Cobb played his best football in 2015. He had a pretty good year with the Cowboys a couple years ago. Uh, But he's coming off of a a nothing burger year for a nothing burger team with the Texans last year. But is that going to make Aaron Rodgers feel good? Well, it's a slot guy, and it adds another weapon, and there's a familiarity. So, yes, but – I would be weary of getting too far down the path of are we trying to win or are we putting too much focus on how's Aaron Rodgers today?
1: Right. Okay. And I agree with you. And like I said, it's kind of like walking on eggshells. You don't know the mood you're going to get from your quarterback on any given day. And if one thing you say or do perhaps can make him angry. And I guess in the same breath, I'll say perhaps he's kind of earned that because he might feel like and I'm not saying I agree with this, but he might feel like he's almost doing the Packers a favor. Like, look, I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you my all. And I'm the reigning MVP. And so you should almost feel blessed that I am here gracing myself with your present, gracing you with my presence. Because I am hopefully going to give you the opportunity to get another Super Bowl. That shouldn't be the way it's handled, and maybe he won't feel like that. But I guess it is warranted sometimes in terms of what he has had to deal with and his frustrations that have boiled over over the last year or so. Let's say this about Randall Cobb: Uh, he had a very good career when he was playing with Aaron Rodgers. He had a hundred yards receiving in over 13% of the games he played when he was playing Mm -hmm. with Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. In all the other games, especially lately, he has 100 receiving yards in only 6% of the games that he has played. So he does play better when he has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, but I guess I would say this, if you're looking at receivers across the National Football League, who wouldn't play better if Aaron Rodgers was their quarterback? And so I think adding Randall Cobb, a familiar face, someone that he has got chemistry with, can only be beneficial to a Packers roster that, despite going – Almost to the Super Bowl, if they had beaten Tom Brady um, in Green Bay, then perhaps they would have been the ones in the Super Bowl. They had plenty of weapons, but adding another one that is familiar to Aaron Rodgers, and then you have Devontae Adams coming back as well, which is all but a foregone conclusion at this point, seems like would be the best thing for a Green Bay Packers team going forward.
2: And I'll say this too also, if you're talking about keeping him happy – having a, a good friend of his, confidant, and trusted target there goes a long way no matter what his production currently is at or season that he's coming off of. Uh, you want the guy happy in the building and you want the team chemistry in a locker room that could possibly be somewhat divided. Mm-hmm. Uh, having more guys in his corner, uh, especially on the offensive side of things, can't hurt.
1: And someone to vent to, perhaps, too. Uh, there's no quarterback competition in New York, but that doesn't mean there's not a lot of pressure on one veteran QB. We'll discuss it next here on KJZN ESPN Radio and ESPN News.